and welcome back to Silhouettes, a fashion history podcast all about the importance of the clothes we wear. (laughs) On this episode, we have a guest, my close friend and fellow academic, Nick Ellsworth. Hi, I'm Nick, and much like Belle, I am not a fashion historian, but I am an academically trained historian. Um, Belle and I actually did our master's together in public history, so... um, you know how to do the research required. Um, I'm doing my PhD, which I hope Bell starts doing soon as well. Yes, fingers crossed. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we're not passion historians. I'm definitely not a passion historian, but it is one of my passions. Mm-hmm. I'm really happy to be involved. I mean, ocean liners, I think, are my true love of history. Mm-hmm. Um, even though it's not anything I've been doing for any of my academic career, it is my true love. So I'm yeah. excited to be involved with this. That's exactly why I brought you on today, because as you said, we're going to do it on um, ocean liner fashion. And it's such a good topic. And I know you know a lot more about it than I do. It's just really so glamorous, isn't it? There's just something to it that you just don't really get from any other part of fashion history. I don't know. I don't know if you feel the same way. Well, I think it's because, I mean, now we we travel by air. Mm. We don't take ocean liners any longer. So it is like, almost like looking into the past and, I know that there's like the problem of like looking at the past with rose tinted glasses and, mm. and you see like the fashion spectacle and that doesn't often relate to what people are actually wearing. But I think there's just like this love around ocean liners and something that none of us will probably experience unless you go like on a modern day cruise. Um, but even then, I don't feel like that. It's just like, not quite the same, is it? Traveled, it's like the golden age of travel. No, and it's just like that pure glamour and elegance and just. Um, exhibitions of like grandeur just showing people how rich you are and that's potentially a bit problematic but it's just not something that you just really see today in quite the same way I don't know especially not on ships I I think also you and I um, being of the same generation I think our probably experience first emotional liners comes from the great film Titanic Mm -hmm. um, yeah of course of course (laughs) so it was really my first introduction to an era that wasn't the 1990s mm. um, mm. it was the first time I thought that it didn't look like today and I think that for a lot yeah. of people our age especially when we think of ocean liners we think of that film and of course we think of like the iconic clothing that she's wearing in it um, so good <laughs> the jewels and everything and it's, it's kind of like a gateway to this whole world that lasted for like a hundred years of yeah. dressing to travel on a ship yeah it's really like a specific niche almost, isn't it? Just something that even in hotels at the time, you didn't quite get the same level of fanciness. I don't know. <laughs> I can't think of a better word. It's just all so fancy, isn't it? Like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think just like saying like, oh, I'm traveling by sea, you automatically get this like idea of mm-hmm. elegance. And I know that, you know, shipping lines made their money from the immigrant trade and from immigrants mm. using ocean liners, which... Those were in, you know, the bottoms of the ships. They weren't the most elegant. They were very bare and simple and built uh, for utility. Um, mm. But the things they advertised were the opulence, yeah, not necessarily the reality for many people on it. That's very true, actually. Which, I think it's a good metaphor of like the world, really. <laughs> yeah, it like it's the same everywhere in history. Every building, every kind of culture that you had, you know, there was the lower people and the rich people at the top that they were the people that you saw <laughs> it's just how things ran wasn't it so liners are going to be no no stranger to that either um, well it's the same with airline travel like when you look at advertising yeah. they show you the first class on um, airlines which having been luckily upgraded once in my life mm-hmm. the first class is yeah. a whole other level 
I've never flown first class. Airplane and economy and premium economy. It's a lot yeah. different, um, and that's where they make their money from. Yeah, and that's what you see in adverts even now. You know, like they show the I don't know people in BA in the first class with their glass of wine in the first class suite. You know, on the airport and stuff like that. Like you're not seeing. Yeah, the people up at 4am to get, like, the cheap flight in their jogging bottoms and trainers. <laughs> That's not what they advertise to you. It's the same same way, you know. That's part of why I wanted to talk about this topic, for that reason, just because it kind of solidifies that whole idea. And I don't know, that extreme glamour can just tell us a lot about the social climate and the social expectations, particularly on women, during these periods. I think that's really fascinating. And also the way the spaces like functioned in terms of fashion. I think they were sort of places to show the most modern and the most daring styles that they were just a giant catwalk for a lot of women, really, weren't they? Oh, absolutely. And that's very cool. (laughs) I love that. I think that it would be good to point out that we're only talking about first class spaces on Ocean Liner. Yeah. Um, And women. Mm -hmm. So I think that you could do a whole separate topic on the clothing in third class spaces because you have all the different mm-hmm. national costumes mm-hmm. um, but because those are much less documented we are just going to look at the first class spaces because that's what we basically see the most yeah so, exactly that and it's like we were just saying yeah if we focus on first class we focus on the people top deck so to speak those are the adverts that you find that's the footage that you find that's the documentation that you find so for that reason that's sort of what we're going to focus on but also there's more changes in rich fashion than there is in poor fashion for example because poor people weren't changing their clothes every week to fit in with what was in vogue you know they were just wearing whatever they had so for that reason you know the changes between 1900 and 1930 for example are going to be quite minuscule for people of a lower class in comparison to what you'd see from the first class yeah. passengers so that's you know unfortunately that's just the way it is <laughs> but that well, is why we're clothing would be handmade that's so true yeah it would be, you know would it have all the silk and the fats and the mm. cuts that were popular it'd be what they could do themselves it would be repurposed as well exactly. it'd be hand-me-downs and they'd be restitching whatever their parents or siblings wore whereas for the rich people and the first class passengers that just would not have happened in any way it wouldn't have even been off the shelf would it it would have been handmade hand like designed right, fit to wear or whatever clothes that you would probably make for this trip <laughs> and then you would probably sell yeah. them after this trip or repurpose it or yeah. something the fashion is just a lot more interesting <laughs> and a lot more glamorous <laughs> and glitzy and all of the above it's what you see in the museum so it's more accessible stuff today exactly yeah Exactly. Just for that reason. You know, the third class clothes probably got destroyed or were being worn probably into the 60s even. <laughs> you know, like were, if you were really poor. They were poor. probably loosely worn until they fell apart. Yeah, <laughs> exactly, exactly. Or used for firewood or something, who knows. <laughs> now, would you like to preface this whole thing by talking about the pre-war experience? So, um, the first thing I'm going to be talking about is 1914. Um, obviously, a lot of these grand ocean liners that we'll be referencing became troop ships and hospital mm-hmm. ships during the First World War. So therefore, they're not crazy for pleasure. Um, although it would be interesting to talk about like the fashion of nurses on board these ships. But mm-hmm. I guess I digress. Um, so yeah, I'll be looking at that in fortunes first. And I've chosen to begin in 1900 for a variety of reasons. Mm-hmm. 
as we imagine that the end taking form, making the transition from liver like sailing ships into these steam powered machines. Um, the night, late 19th century, some of the notable miners would be, you know, the Kaiser will have to grow, then the SS Congress Castle, which is one of my personal favorites. Yeah, yeah. And Kaiser will have the second, um, as well as the White Star Line, Oceanic, and Patriotic. Mm. But, I mean, the purpose of this, I'll just be looking at the 20th century exclusively. Mm-hmm. And I'm drawing all my fashion inspiration off the shipping advertisements, um, as we mentioned. And the mm-hmm. ones that I'll be looking at for this period would be the White Star Line, Olympic, and of course, Titanic. You can't leave that one out. Mm-hmm. But then also, the Cunard Line, Lusitania, and Mauritania. Um, and again, as we've said a few times now, um, this is also why we've chosen just focus on first class fashion, because many of these advertisements just don't stop these spaces, and they're better documented for our sartorial discussion. Yeah, exactly. So, I'm going to look at a couple of my advertisements, and the first one I'm looking at is from the Lusitania's first class dining salon. Okay. Um, it is this three-leveled room with a balcony, and there's a beautiful plaster dome. It's, it's really gorgeous. It's all white and gold. Palm, it is just the most opulent. Um, it wouldn't be out of place in the ribs whatsoever. Oh. Absolutely perfect. I mean, it's absolutely gorgeous. They're just they're amazing, like some of them, aren't they? Like, I mean, they're amazing. They I just often look at these images. No half measures. I find myself that it's on a ship. It's not, you know, in some country house or quasi hotel. It's in the middle of the ocean. Mm. Yeah, it's crazy, isn't it? The yeah, fact that yeah, this was a floating thing. <laughs> it is. It is. Like, you see these glass domes stuff and you're just kind of like okay I see you wow like cool um, just whatever yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I think it's just in essence designed to showcase fashion mm-hmm. you know the elegant first class things with dope ceilings elegant woods plush fabrics they encouraged women to wear their back mm-hmm. you know, especially in the field of days when women were changing their outfits up to four times a day yeah something I think is interesting is like you look at the ship's grand staircases and they're going back here this was built to allow the grandest after dinner was the prime place to show off your gowns and your jewels and mm. these fashions were reflect like the aesthetic. You know, I'm thinking of the marvelous Miss Maisel, which we both love. Yes. And, you know, the second season she's at the hotel in Florida and she comes down the staircase wearing her black evening gown. Yeah. The whole purpose of it is for them just to see her arriving and what she's wearing. I know, I thought exactly of the same thing because it's a staircase to nowhere, isn't it? It leads yeah. to nothing and yeah. the sole purpose of it was for her and the other women in the hotel just to show everyone what they're wearing. Yeah. Well, can we bring that back? <laughs> I need that. You do, you do. And I think if you look at the reality <laughs> of it, like an elevator was the much more brand new technology. I would have taken that because it was probably brand new. Mm. I would have never ridden one before, but you can't show off what you're wearing. Yeah. No, they're wow. great. I love, it's called The yeah. Grand Descent, isn't it? Which is a great name in itself. Yeah. It's pretty good. <laughs> like, when you look at these things, like many of the fashions are like the setting, you're dressed to be seen, mm. just as if you were at like some nameless society event. So like, looking at the women depicted in the advertisement for the Lusitanian first class down in salon, a lot of them were really typical Bill James gowns. Mm. Um, they're still wearing the highly structured Casey Girl silhouette that did remain for the first decade of the 20th century. Mm-hmm. Um, it owes its distinctive shape to the S curve corset, which many women wore. Um, but this corset really helped emphasize a narrow waist and a large bust. And in my mind, it almost makes the women look a bit not heavy. Like, especially if you consider their hairstyles and how just like voluptuous they were. Yeah, it's just like a big round piece, isn't it? But, in these things, you know, we see these women wearing their long gowns with trains, 
They have the fashionable dog colored necklaces, which are popularized by Queen Alexandra and Mary, mm. um, which I love. You know, yeah, it's almost like a turtleneck out of diamond. Yeah, I, I love it. It's that. it's so cool. <laughs> I know. I love that style. Yeah, there's just something about it that you have that you just don't really see replicated in any other era. Not that I can think yeah, of anyway. Yeah. You just see it and yeah, you know exactly yeah. what it is and when it's from and what sort of person is wearing it. Well, yeah, and, you know, you look at all the auction houses that are selling grand jewels from aristocratic families. Mm. They're selling the pieces from the 1900s that are the beautiful diamond, yellow yeah. coke dog collars that, while they're gorgeous works of art, they're practical to wear today. I know, yeah. How would you wear it? Because they're, they're made to be worn around the neck, aren't they? Like on a brooch, yeah. on a polo neck, essentially. But you couldn't wear it on a jacket or a pocket now because they're so heavy <laughs> yeah it just doesn't and, function yeah, in the same way trying to have it reset to be worn as I think one of the necklaces that we'd wear today it just wouldn't lose its beauty no and you couldn't wear it as an earring either it would look crazy yeah. <laughs> it's exactly. too huge yeah exactly. sad we need to bring back the lace the lace polo yes bring it back bring it back <laughs> I'm looking the next generation of royals I believe in you yeah you can do it please Charlotte <laughs> please <laughs> Yeah, you can do this for us. I know. Oh, one day. One day they'll be vintage enough that they'll one be day. antique. I think also looking at this, though, the thing that I noticed is they all have their opera length gloves. They mm-hmm. have feathers and flowers in their hair. And there's something that I came across that was really interesting. With the Lusitania tank in nineteen fifty. Mm. One of the maids from a first-class passenger, she managed to save her owners, not her owners, she managed to save her employers, kind of um, <laughs> diamond and pearl tiara. Mm. She be sinking in less than 20 minutes. So, oh God. I think that, why now, you know, it's just sinking in 20 minutes. Um, the tiara belonged to Lady Allen. It was a Cartier piece, which Harvey now owns again. Mm. And they've been kind enough to leave it out on exhibition. It's mm. so stunning. I saw the Victorian Albert Museum amazing exhibition of Ocean Liner back in 2018. Oh, yeah. I, I didn't get to go to that. I did. Regret oh, to this day. <laughs> I think with like a ship sinking in 20 minutes, you probably don't think of grabbing anything, but she thought to grab a tiara, which in my mind suggests that it was out for use on the ship, mm. not packed away in a suitcase, just being transported. Mm. Because if a ship is sinking that quickly, you're not going to think to go down to the cargo. We probably won't be allowed to go down to the cargo and get this. No, no, you probably can't even get to it. Exactly. It's so waterlogged. Uh, yeah, so I feel like that it must have been in her state room, ready to be worn, possibly that evening. Mm, maybe that evening or something. Exactly. Yeah. So that's just kind of things suggesting the type of dressing that they were wearing on this ship. Mm. Yeah, the fact that a piece of jewellery that opulent and expensive was just out, ready to be worn, just for dinner, mm-hmm. that yeah. just tells us so much in a way even though it's such a small little action just to grab what was out for that maid it probably didn't mean that much in it well i guess it would have in monetary value but she probably wouldn't have realized what that small you know movement would have yeah. <laughs> told us now yeah but well, yeah that's really interesting say that because as i was like looking at all these advertisements you know a lot of them are they're drawings they're not actual photographs mm. and a lot of the photographs that we do see on the ship are staged um, mm. At the time, it was considered very bad taste to photograph somebody while they were dining or eating without telling them ahead of time. So when yeah. we look at these motion liners, about the 20s and 30s, long years later, mm-hmm. all the pictures of underground spaces were staged. I was trying to figure out, you know, what would be an accurate 
what the typical traveler would wear. So mm-hmm. yes, Lady Owl had her tiara sitting out. She must have worn it the night before or was planning to wear it at some point on that show. Mm-hmm. So like rushing my brain, I'm like, what's the way to figure out what these women have worn? I decided to look at the insurance claims for the mm-hmm. first couple who traveled on Titanic. Because that right there, you know exactly what they're claiming. So one of the women, Madeline Astor, um, her husband was the richest man on board the ship, one of the richest men in America. And she claims her insurance to have lost a fifty thousand dollar pearl necklace. Hmm. It was fifty thousand dollars in nineteen twelve. That's crazy. How much would that be now? Like half a mil? <laughs> so much more I think because one dollar really? in nineteen twelve equals twenty seven dollars in twenty twenty. Oh my god. And now that. Yeah, it's dollars, isn't it? It'll be different to pounds, but... <laughs> it gets better. Um, <laughs> so I looked at Margaret Brown's insurance claim. Mm-hmm. Um, so Margaret Brown, you know, popularized by um, Kathy Bates in the Titanic film. Mm-hmm. Even more popularized by the great Debbie Reynolds in the 1960s mm-hmm. classic, Yes, Molly Brown, which despite being historically inaccurate and fabulous, but, yeah, yeah, well. <laughs> but anyway... you got to take Brown, anything yeah. with a pinch of salt, you know? <laughs> Beautiful. <laughs> so I looked at Margaret Brown's insurance claim, which luckily is um, able to be accessed through her house, which is now a museum mm-hmm. in Denver, Colorado. So then her insurance claim for lost jewels, furs, and clothing is totaled $27,887. Mm. So in today's money, that's $729,000 worth of clothing. Of clothing as well, not even jewelry. Clothing and jewelry. So. That's crazy. Clothing Andrew, okay. Some of the items, yeah. It's just some of the items that they have on her insurance claim. It was, it's a very long document. Mm-hmm. I just picked out a few things that I thought would be spokes of what the common traveler would be wearing in this class of this era. Mm-hmm. So she claimed her six dinner gowns were $75 each, a green lace gown worth $175, a necklace worth $20,000, <laughs> a pearl brooch worth $150. She had 14 hats, two kimonos, three satin gowns, one black satin gown, and two black gowns, an evening wrap, four pairs of evening slippers, a brown velvet gown with a matching brown velvet cape, an ermine opera cape, four tailored gowns, and two coats. Like, that is just some of it. That's just like, like a fraction. I love yeah. that. But it just tells mm-hmm. you that whatever you brought on the ship, you intended to be seen. The fact that she had four pairs of slippers. And yeah. they were probably not like slippers like we have today from Primark yeah. or something. Yeah. They were probably no, like handmade. Yeah, exactly. And yeah, just whatever you brought on was made to be seen. You probably didn't spend a lot of time in your cabin even. Despite no, how nice no, it was, no, you no. probably spent time in there to get dressed and exactly. to sleep. And maybe that was it. The rest of it was promenading or having dinner or having exactly. cocktails or games or... They dressed for breakfast, mm. as you said, promenading. Mm-hmm. They would dress to have coffee and tea. They'd have their evening gowns. And the fact that she brought so many pieces of clothing with her for a week long trip. And I will yeah. preface by saying that she had been touring Europe for several months before. Mm. So this was the amount of stuff that she'd been wearing um, for several months. Actually, before. on holiday, but, sure. Yeah, but the fact that she had these types of things in her cabin, um, intending to be worn on this trip. Mm-hmm. It tells you a lot, doesn't it? There's just just absolutely no half measures whatsoever. Absolutely. No. You know, this is the height of society where, mm-hmm. you know, it was, you know, it was 
very elite to the end. You're driving mm-hmm. to DC, just stronger status, stronger wealth. Um, not wearing something that was completely up to date would be very bad taste. You'd consider. Well, it'd kill your about, social like, standing, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was all just a game of like, of cards essentially. You just always had to be one step ahead to make sure mm-hmm. that you were on trend. It sounds exhausting. <laughs> like, it does sound exhausting. It's fascinating yeah, to look at now. I like green jeans and sweaters every day. Yeah, I know. Like, part of me is like, oh my gosh, we need to bring that back. It sounds amazing, all the glamour and the beauty and blah, blah. But then, actually, when you think about what this meant on a day-to-day level for these women like obviously they had a lot they had a lot of money they had you know the food on the table and all of this what you know a lot of um the third class passengers for example wouldn't have had but when you read that you do just feel a bit exhausted (laughs) you think about you know how many times you had to dress and corsets and everything you know it was a whole it was a whole ordeal just to put a dress on you had to do that four times a day (laughs) Yeah, it is exhausting. And if you think about just their jewelry in particular, mm-hmm. I mean, how unlikely is it that they'd be wearing the same piece of jewelry throughout this trip? They would have worn a different type of jewelry every evening. Every so, outfit, yeah. yeah Margaret yeah. Brown's lost $20,000 necklace. She probably wore on one evening mm-hmm. because she had other jewels to wear for the other evening. Mm. It depends on what, yeah, what dress you were wearing and what time of the day it was or what event you were going to. Um, exactly. exactly. Which isn't dissimilar to what we do now, you know? If you're going for someone's birthday drinks, you wear a very specific type of outfit, I don't know, than what you're wearing to just go for coffee. But it's just that to the extreme. (laughs) Absolutely, absolutely. I wonder if um, the way people did things in that way then has kind of dictated the culture of how we do it now. Yeah, I do wonder because I definitely know that when I'm thinking like, I'm going to work today in the office and this evening I'm going out for drinks. I'll probably change what I'm wearing for the day because I'll dress mm. for the evening instead. Yeah, I would too. Like, I'd have a day outfit and probably an evening outfit. I mean, not oh, everyone absolutely. probably does that. I'm sure there's a lot of people who don't, and that's completely fine. More power to them. I'd make the effort to not, and sometimes it can be tiring, but <laughs> I don't feel like myself if I don't do that. But, um, yeah, I do just wonder if, yeah, this kind of culture that was so pervasive then has trickled down yeah. to the Western world now maybe even outside of the Western world, I'm, you know, I don't Probably. live there. <laughs> I don't know how it works on a day-to-day level, but, um, yeah, it would be interesting to see if things had been done differently if we did things differently now. No, it's, it's a what-if situation, isn't it? But it's interesting yeah, to think about. Definitely food for thought. Mm-hmm. Yes, I'm going to go on to a different advertisement now. Mm-hmm. We talked about Lusitania briefly get into the Titanic. I'm not going to have to tell you what Titanic looks like because everybody probably knows what that yeah. looks like. Yeah. <laughs> if anything, you think you're getting with what, which she's an icon, so there we go. Yeah. But I'm going to go to a different advertisement and this is from the Mauritania, which mm-hmm. was the Lusitania sister ship. Mm-hmm. But they were designed completely differently. Mm-hmm. Um, the Mauritania was designed more to like a country house with like darker woods. Mm-hmm. Um, where Lusitania was like very white, ostrich, gold, very light and airy. So, okay. looking at the Mauritania's advertisement for the first class lounge, um, again, you see a room that's like dark blue paneling, like a glass dome, mm-hmm. lush carpets. But the women are painted here, and you get the drawing. They're wearing the same silhouette as the women were wearing in the Lusitania's first class dining room, the S-bend curve and everything. 
of their dresses instead are high necks with long sleeves of a much lesser feeling mm-hmm. because it's daytime or like the course and as expected these women are shown wearing a very minimal jewelry okay. so I just keep looking at these advertisements and it's just interesting to see even though these are fictitious women they're, they're drawings yeah sure to see how they do kind of follow the fashion trends because of course these advertising solutions they want them to be seen as incredibly fashionable yeah the most up to date yeah so while some of their rooms are depicting you know Louis XVI style mm-hmm. they want the participants to be wearing a modern clothing so I think it's, it's just really interesting how they're using fashion sure to being the most fashionable and the most modern you can be right now mm-hmm interesting so it's like each ship functioned differently in terms of fashion as well yeah hmm yeah I think so at least yeah yeah well from the photos it seems that way I'm just looking at pictures of the Lusitania now and you're right the way it's designed is yeah it's a lot more wooden that's probably the only way I'd describe it yeah and I was in the Lusitania all white and gold dining room I probably mm. wearing the diamonds that have the Mauritania yeah. dark wood dining room which again is still two levels balcony mm-hmm. jump ceiling and everything but because it's naturally darker I feel like I probably wear I, don't, I think they would probably influence what I was wearing mm-hmm. like if I'm if I'm going to like the Ritz for example I might wear diamonds but I think if I'm going to just a beautiful restaurant I probably wouldn't yeah like you, you or something. exactly yeah you kind of cater whatever you're wearing to the the context that you're in but I want to think that they got sent not photos but kind of information about what the interior of the ship looked like so that they could plan their outfits ahead of time to know that what they were wearing fitted directly but as this was the main board of travel I think Mm. that all these advertisements would have had multiple pictures of the interior route yeah so they would have seen them ahead of time illustrations at least you would have had something exactly Mm, that's really interesting. Yeah, they would have at least known what they were walking into. Yeah, like colour schemes and style and things like that. Because it's not like a hotel where you can just go and have a little look and then you know what you're going to wear whenever you have to go. Exactly. It's a ship. <laughs> you're on it or you're not. <laughs> There's exactly, no way. Of <laughs> exactly. You know, I often wonder if like, a lot of the woodwork on the Olympic was um, dark oak except for the dining and reception room, mm. which was always painted white. Um, I often kind of wonder if when the ship was going through different refurbishments and everything, at what point they painted off the woodwork white. In the mm. 1930s, they painted it like an avocado green to make it look more Art Deco. Oh, love that. And I do love it as well. <laughs> it's a lot of criticism, but I'm all for it. I'm here for it. <laughs> <laughs> but I wonder if when they were designing these ships and they're making the big dining spaces to be all white walls, glossy white walls with mm. white and gold chandeliers and crystal windows for plenty of glass windows. Me. And what if they had in their mind to be a very solid backdrop for women's clothing to stand out or just mm. clothing in general to stand out? Because if you're in a room where the main architectural features are all painted the same color, which is white, mm. you know, it allows your 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 blue gown, your, your green gown, it allows them to just stand out so much more. So, yeah, so that's really true, actually. Kind of mind, but perhaps like the women, they would have thought like this is a good showcase for my clothing because I'm not going to blend it as much. I could mm. never really have a chance to stand out. Yeah, it's more of a like a blank canvas, really, isn't it? Yeah. Than if it was um, you know. uh, curtained or wallpapered or whatever. Just having the painted wood is quite 
simple. I mean, the gold's a little gauche, but the white, <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hmm, no, that's interesting. I hadn't really thought about that, but you're probably right. So then it didn't matter what they brought on as long as it was in fashion because they had this plain background. So whatever they were wearing would look right in the room, I suppose. Yeah. I mean, again, if you look at some of the other rooms, like if you look at the Aquitania, which was another district of the Lusitude mm-hmm. in the Mauritania, um, but she was much more popular in the 1920s, the 1930s, and 40s mm. just because she was launched, you know, at the start of World War One. So her first part of her career was on the troop ship. But anyway, though, when she was um, refurbished as a passenger liner, mm. all of the decor, it's really, um, despite being the 1920s, it, it doesn't look like the 1920s. It looks as if you're in a grand country home in England that was built in the 1700s. It's really? Very, yeah, mm. there's colored marbles and deep, rich colored dark woodwork and gorgeous glass domes in most rooms. And it's, it's just like walking into this, you wow. know, maybe like if we're going to like Chatsworth or something. It's, yeah, it's sure. It's similar to that. And I also wonder if that was intentional because they were marketing towards a class that would have felt comfortable in these spaces mm. and would have grown up in these spaces or at least have yeah, that's true. parties and things. So it was almost kind of catering towards the travelers who would have known what to wear in those spaces anyway. Yeah. And maybe if you weren't British as well, if you were American or from, you know, further afield, being in somewhere that looked like a British country house would be like exciting, you know, be you'd have the experience of visiting something really British but also you were on a liner so it was like double whammy <laughs> yeah yeah that makes me think about like all the, the really wealthy Americans um, mm. at the end of the 19th century when they're like literally going over to Europe and buying up whole interiors from chateaus and houses and having them rebuilt inside their American yeah houses. they loved it didn't they I mean still do like Bake Off <laughs> yeah American oh people God, love Bake Off calls me about Bake Off yeah. all the time mm-hmm. just like you watch it more than I think my British friends do <laughs> <laughs> but yeah again it's you know it's catering towards somebody that either is comfortable in mm. or wants to be in it catering towards a market yeah that's interesting yeah. and I guess the fashion would then have to adapt to that as well <laughs> of course yeah mm. interesting um that's really all I have on that era so I can mm-hmm. move on to the 1920s and 1930s okay so moving on from the early 1900s we can now see some good photographs of the ship interiors to show what the women are wearing. And as I said earlier, um, it was considered a very bad taste to photograph people on a ship without taking them ahead of time. Mm. So you don't see a lot of candid photographs of these things. So yeah. you see people dining or socializing or dancing. Those are all staged photos mm-hmm. that were made by the shipping company to promote themselves. So what the women are wearing in there, I think, might be more fashionable than what would be actually be worn, if that makes sense. Uh-huh. So, yeah, no, completely. Yeah, so I was looking at this advertisement for, again, the Olympic um, from the 1920s, and mm-hmm. you do see the women wearing the typical, um, what you see in the 1920s, the shorter evening gown, the longer necklace, their bobbed hair and everything. But then yeah. when I did find a photograph of a woman on the Olympic Square staircase dressed for dinner, it doesn't really look like what the advertisement would have been. Yeah, mm. and even the videos on Pat News is what they're wearing almost be like dresses, like below the knee, um, okay. doing the Charleston. 
like this woman, she has her shorter bobbed hair, that's great. Mm-hmm. Um, her floral dress has cast sleeves to almost cut to her ankles. Oh. And you know, this is early to mid 1920s, just based off of knowing when the grass turned, it's something that was painted white and then painted um, off a of of green and still dark wood. Mm-hmm. So I think it's early 1920s, which I think is really interesting that you see her, the length of her dress being much longer than she was expected mm. from the advertisement. Well, I think she also, also a, a short pearl necklace down the walk to tour the museum. Yeah, you have an image of the really long, you know, down to the kind of belly button pearls, right, for a, a flapper. Well, yeah, you think of like glamorous Gatsby almost. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's the image that we have when we think of the twenties. But I think you need to remember with the twenties, obviously, it was post-war. I think a lot of people forget mm-hmm. that. A lot of people couldn't yeah. afford completely new clothes, so they would have been wearing what they might have been wearing in the nineteen tens. Yeah, they might they, have just hang out. You know, older women especially. And it's done a little bit of alteration, but it would have been harder for them to have brand new clothing that could be changed as much. So that you make a very big point that these women in the nineteen twenties traveling on ocean liner, they might have bought their clothing before the first world war. Mm. Yeah. Just what changes they get. And they might have lost money during the war, so all their money might have even just gone into paying for the trip for the trip. (laughs) So then they just wore whatever why are they traveling in the first place? Yeah, there's a lot yeah. more that goes into the 20s than I think people realize often because the flapper is such a strong image, but particularly when it comes to these ocean liners, you know, they would have fallen part of that as well. So that's interesting to see that. Liners. They were all built and designed in the 1900s. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, so they would have just stayed. <laughs> yeah, probably didn't exactly. have the money to re, re you know rebrand them. Not until the end of the twenties when Art Deco came in, at least. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's why um, the Olympic painted all of her dark woods, all her oak interiors are painted green. That's mm. to make it look more Art Deco, but yeah, kind of hard. <laughs> at the end of the day, it's the same thing. It's just painted. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. No, that's interesting. It is, yeah. And I do have this other photograph. Um, I think it's also on the Olympic. That would be giving her all my favoritism. But, <laughs> you know, she's one of the longest plastic ocean liners from 1911 until yeah. the late 1930s. Sure. Um, she had such a long career that it's just easier to find images of her because, you know, unfortunately, like the Lusitania sank, Titanic sank, um, mm. Lusitania. She was around 1950, well, 1949, but mm-hmm. it's just easier to work at one of the other ships that was so popular. Yeah, um, and there were so many, so many ships made during this time that a lot of them probably didn't even get photographed as well in the same mm-hmm. way. They probably would, because photographing was, you know, difficult and expensive. They would have yeah. taken the kind of, you know, top few, and those would be the ones that you see. So, makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. So there's another photograph. Um, it's of Lord Mountbatten and his wife, Edwina. Mm-hmm. Um, it's in the late 1920s. And he's looking very doubtful in every uniform. But she's wearing what I would consider probably um, a more authentic version of 1920s fashion. Mm-hmm. Her dress is above her ankles, but not much far above her ankles. It's definitely below her knees. Okay. She likes. Um, but she's got like the long, oversized fur coat on mm-hmm. with fur cuffs. Her collars. She also interestingly has a separate for scarf. Mm. I mean, I'm kind of loving for her. She must have been cold, but I love the fact that she wore a fur coat and then had like a separate type of fur on the scarf. <laughs> Double <laughs> like, fur. Okay, Edwina, I see you. I see you. Like, okay. <laughs> and it would have been real fur too, so. Absolutely. Yeah. 
absolutely, absolutely. And if you look at this picture, her dress is just above her ankles. She has a big white hat, uh, which almost reminds me of like a late 60s, early 70s hat. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the choice that shows that the fashion just comes around, you know? Mm. And I misspoke earlier, he's not wearing a naval house uniform. He's wearing uh, just a normal suit with a bowler hat, or I think it's something else. But uh, it can be hard to tell when they're black and white as well. It is, it is. But yeah, mm. it's just, it's, I think it's so interesting to look at the advertisements where they are dressed by fashion houses to promote being the most, you know, yeah. fashion all about. But then when you see action photographs of people on the ships, it doesn't necessarily match the era that they should be in. Yeah, exactly. Which is interesting because it's like anything, the advert is going to be a hyped up version of the reality of it, you know? And I'm sure there were a lot of women dressing extravagantly, you know, like you said, you had the insurance. Absolutely. Insurance things, but I'm sure there was also a percentage of even rich people that were maybe not doing that. It's hard to know really, isn't it? But yeah, it's they're human beings at the end of the day, so there's going to be people that falter, probably. It might have even just been the older women as well. You had a yeah. bit less pressure if you were older as well, didn't you? <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I think if you look at older women, their fashion probably stops when they hit their comfortable age. Yeah. So, they you've got the money, you've got the husband. Queen um, Mary, her fashion kind of stopped at the First World War, mm. um, so up through the 1920s, the 30s, the 40s, early 50s. All of her gowns are floor length, they all have sleeves, she has her. Mm. You know, stomacher of diamonds. She has her multiple necklaces, like, which looked very good in 1914, um, when she was in her but 20s and 30s. It's old fashioned by then, yeah. She kept dressing that way for the rest of her life. Yeah. Which a lot of probably older women on ships, you know, if it's the 1920s, their fashion could have represented the early 1900s. Yeah, exactly. And they would have been rich. They would have been from good families, probably married rich, and their daughters and their, um, you know, sons would have been wearing what we imagine as the height of fashion at the time. But yeah, I'd imagine a lot of older women and men, but men's fashion changes less. Yeah. But the yeah. women, yeah, you look at the photos yeah. and yeah, they're wearing what <laughs> you would imagine someone to wear pre-war and it was the height of fashion then. I don't know, yeah, it's an interesting thing to note. It is, it is. I mean, I think it's just, that's something that definitely does transcend time because mm. if you look at our parents, um, mm. I mean, our parents are both in their 20s and 1980s. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of my mom doesn't wear shoulder pads you know you can definitely tell that she dresses there that she was very comfortable in and felt probably the sexiest in and that was my mom in the 1980s so yeah that's true I think earrings, her hair her yeah. hair kind of has never gotten smaller but mm. you know yeah no and our grandparents too absolutely like they you know and general older people you see a lot of women and they kind of are wearing similar things that you see women wearing in the 60s <laughs> You know, they look Absolutely. so similar, but that was their their peak. They were probably in their 20s then, so that was yeah. what they feel comfortable in. And we'll probably do the same. <laughs> Whatever oh, we're yeah, wearing we now, we'll probably wear this forever. <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I think of my grandmother, uh, my grandmother died when she was 90, mm-hmm. and she had the same perm hairstyle, never changed, yeah. like the queen. The same perm hairstyle that she had in the early 50s and the late 40s. <laughs> um, she wore because that's what she felt that was She just liked it, yeah. She found it, she liked it. Great. I mean, I started doing that now. Like, I've got hairstyles and I've got a colour that I like, so I just kind of stick to it. And I'm like, am I ever going to change this? Is this my hair forever? 
<laughs> uh, yeah, Am I going to die with this hat? Yeah. I'm fine with it. It's all right. No, yeah. You kind of forget and you look at, like you said, you look at um, unposed photos and you're like, what year is this? Because it's kind of hard to work out because you'll see some people from, you know, dress like it's 1910 and then you'll see women dress like it's the 30s and you're like, what? <laughs> when is this? But yeah, it probably yeah. is just down to that, isn't it? The older yeah. older generation. So that is interesting. Exactly. And those would not have been the people that you see in the adverts, most likely. No, definitely not. Definitely not. They would make you look old-fashioned. It would, and then that would make the shift not seem as marketable. Mm, exactly. You show the young people, you show the height of what is current. And yeah, I think that's, that's interesting, actually. I didn't really think about that, but makes a lot of sense. It does. It does. Mm. I'm going to segue into the 1930s. And mm. I think this is a really good decade for seeing what people were wearing. Uh, because Pate Dues, they photographed, not photographed, they recorded lots of videos on these great ocean liners. Mm. Um, especially the Queen Mary, the Queen Elizabeth, and I yeah. think it the Normandy. Uh, the most stunning Art Deco masterpiece. Yeah. She's only around for four years. The most gorgeous thing. I'm obsessed. We can't get over it. But <laughs> Google pictures if you're listening. <laughs> <laughs> Google all of these ships. All, all of them. <laughs> but look at the Normandy in particular. Uh-huh. When it was launched in 1935, it was the epitome of French art. Oh, it's so nice, isn't it? I've seen photos gorgeous, of it. Like the lacquer gold, the lacquer black, the yeah. bright vibrant colors, the avant-garde. Oh. Um, the core it's amazing have and you seen The Good Place? have I seen what? The Good Place I have not do I oh, well, it's, it's kind of about heaven and hell basically but there's a bit when they go to heaven and I always think if I was in that show and they could create my own heaven it would look like <laughs> look like that <laughs> actually yeah Ted asked me that I do know it my husband walked it okay sorry yeah that you're talking about yeah I think mine would probably like be like walking instead of that then yeah because of the right and I was like perfect <laughs> My afterlife. <laughs> Welcome to the 60s, but you have modern medicine and you have modern rights. Yes. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. But, oh, God, I keep digressing. So, yeah. Yes. They would record fashion shows on these ships. Of course, you get this ship was famous for its grand descent. Mm. Long staircase that entered the dining room. The dining room was longer than the Hall of Mayors of Versailles. Over 700 people, it was, Whoa. you know, multiple stories tall. It was just bathed in light. It was absolutely gorgeous. Mm. But, like, the staircase was made for women to descend on. So, of course, it was a great setting for these fashion shows. If you watch these fashion shows, you can see these models wearing really beautiful 1930s dresses. Mm-hmm. If you look at the audience, their audience is either maybe matching it perfectly, they probably bought their clothing at the most, you know. Mm-hmm a day before or there are slightly more dated clothing so it's very interesting to see yeah. um, the trendy people dressing on the most trendy shirt at the time compared with just the wealthy travelers mm-hmm. but you look at these dresses and with evening wear um, you see the long bias cut silks and sack gowns often backless mm. um, the reason for a backless gown was due to dancing we popped on the ship and the types of dancing the back of a woman's gown and you see much more than the front of it Mm. therefore needs to be the more interesting part of the dress and I think something that's really interesting is to see that the hems of the gowns 
will want to get down to the floor. So yeah. small trains, despite having the headline grow so dramatically during the 1920s, and then just drops. Anywhere. Yeah. But then when you think about it, it rises again in the 40s, really, doesn't it? It does, yeah. Absolutely. And then in the 50s, it's back. Up down. I think things just go like from one to the other. They just, you know, yeah. polarized. Absolutely. But that is, that's yeah. so true. Yeah. Something I found that was really interesting as well, a lot of these women's dresses are sleeveless or halter tops. Mm. And I also saw that a lot of women were wearing, you think, fur wraps or capes. Mm. I think summertime on a ship. So when I looked, Normandy was the first ship to have air conditioning, which meant would wear their first to dinner. So they were all freezing. <laughs> well, yeah, it was the first air conditioning that there was. And yeah, of course, if you're wearing a sleeveless strapless gown mm. and you're sitting under an air vent, um, yeah, you're going to need it. Wrap on, you know, you have more exposed skin. That's so fascinating. It also seems quite ridiculous yeah. because if it's hot and then you make it too cold, what's the point in that? But then it's just like that pure opulence, isn't it? It's like, we have it. We can afford to do this. We're going to do it. Yeah. We're going to make our ship look modern and as fancy as possible and freeze you exactly. with our aircon. <laughs> even jewelry has changed, so we, we no longer have like the ropes of pearls that hang down to your waistline. Mm. But it's like the really luscious big furs. That's just mm. their way of showing their wealth. Mm. Yeah, that's interesting. And hats were very big in the twenties as well, weren't they? Yes. But less so in well, they were in the thirties, but you do see a lot more fur, just wraps and like collars and things like that than you maybe you did in the twenties. That's really yeah, interesting. Yeah, I would agree with that. I would agree with that. Yeah, I love thirties though. I know it's such an underrepresented decade. I think the problem with the nineteen thirties is it's bookend between two really fabulous decades. Yeah. You have like the fabulous twenties, um, mm-hmm. the women's liberation, like short skirts, box hair, and then of course you have like the nineteen forties, which I mean, despite a little thing called World War Two happening, um, the utility dresses, the victory rolls, and and its own, you know, iconography mm-hmm. throughout it. So I think the thirties is often lost for the decade before and after. Yeah, and you, also don't forget you had the First World War and then the Second World War, so it's kind of those are areas of history that you'd that would be focused on you know the military history and political history and stuff like that so the 30s in general especially in terms of fashion just is kind of a dip point yeah I don't know there's just a lot about it that is easily not ignored but I can see how it gets forgotten about and I've done that in the past I think absolutely we went to that exhibition was it the fashion and textile museum it was yes it was and they had the um, 30s exhibition that was I loved that it was so good yeah. and it kind of made me realise how good 30s fashion is <laughs> it really is I think like the American me and all my years of American education when I think of the 1930s the first thing I think of is the Great Depression <laughs> yeah you think so oh my god think about the you just think it's so depressing don't you I just you know, I just I think, think of 1939 you know, instantly that's where my head goes because I'm like oh second world yeah. war I forget that that was you know <laughs> years before that <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and I think when I do think of the 1930s fashion, I just think of Hollywood. It's just mm. not an Irish repetition of anything. I think of like Norma Shear, Joan Crawford, Betty Davis. Yeah, that's true. That's not what women were wearing everywhere. No, no. But yeah, there's a lot to the 30s that needs more traction, I think. Maybe I'll do a whole episode on on the Forgotten yeah. Era. 
please do that. <laughs> I think I will. Because <laughs> yeah. makeup was big then too. You forget that it, you know, had yeah. a whole new whole new life force behind it wearing makeup from the twenties. Yeah. I'm sure they and did I on the ships too. When I was researching that in the nineteen thirties they recommended women having metallic shoes. Metallic and they shoes. Gold or silver metallic shoe as being a neutral. Ooh. I love that. I know. <laughs> 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 I want metallic shoes. <laughs> yeah. Would they be wearing a lot of flats in the thirties? I feel like they were during the daytime. Yeah, I, I, I feel like I see more images of not necessarily flats, but much smaller kitten heels. Yeah. I don't know, like compared to, you know, maybe the tens and twenties where you have the image of the kind of like the three inch boot heel, you know, it's, uh-huh. but then in the thirties, I guess maybe because the dresses were longer and flowier, it kind of catered itself more to that. But I'm imagining uh-huh. like a pair of flat metallic gold shoes and I'm loving it. <laughs> yeah. I'm not really going to go into the 1940s at all um, because of just the Second World War and a lot of these mm. acquisitions, troop mm-hmm. ships, and I decided it takes for them to turn that back over to civilian youth. Um, yeah. I always just pass it off to you. Hmm? I always just pass it off to you. What did you say? Oh, I said um, I'm not really going to go into the 1940s just because of it being the era of the Second World War and yeah. austerity and a lot of these ships. Um, had requisitioned as troop ships and then of course they took the time to restore them to being ocean liners so yeah. I'm not really going to go to 1940 ocean travel because while it did happen um, I don't think probably as much we're not just not going to it so I'll, I'll pass everything over to yeah. you then. okay yeah so that was great thank you I loved all that the insurance stuff is really interesting I need to look into that more when I'm doing like historical research you forget how important that is in terms of knowing you know what was happening on day to day because stuff yeah. wasn't documented like now you know photos and things like that um but no I found the same as you I attempted a little bit of research into the 40s it just wasn't there just wasn't much there there wasn't much to it um I got a lot of my information from a documentary called The Last Days of the Liners which is from the 2000s I think um and there was a little they went into the 40s a little bit but it mostly is 50s 60s 70s so I think that's what I'll I'll speak about post 70s is kind of you get really into the cruise ship era and I think that's when the life of the liners died (laughs) (laughs) from what I found so I'll I'll go up to the 70s and then we shall leave it at that (laughs) um so yeah I try to pull together as much as I can um, but what I did get from the little bit of research that I got about the 40s is there was just sort of a desperation to claw back the sense of glamour that you had in the pre-war days. And I think that underpins a lot of what they became even into the 70s. It's like you had that nostalgia for the extreme glamour and the extreme wealth. And they just tried to keep that going as much as possible, which is quite interesting, I think. And I think can be said about a lot of the world post-war. <laughs> Absolutely. Like, you look at the 1950s, you know, in Britain, a lot of the 50s had austerity measures in mm. place. Um, people were worse off than they were during the Second World War. Yeah. And in America, quite the opposite. Mm. The 1950s has been nicknamed the Opulent Decade because there wasn't that much money. Yeah. Um, that, of course, they wanted this pre war glamour that they might not have been able to experience had they been alive in that period. Yeah. So you have this time and you have this 
sudden wealth again and you're just desperate to you know get back to the way things were so to speak and i suppose liners for the real wealthy were a way to do that so that's why they were rebirthed um there was a quote from this documentary that i think really sums it up and it says as peace dawned after world war ii britain alone was ready to reopen the great sea route between the old and the new worlds firm in the belief that pre-war elegance and glamour could be seamlessly welded to our post-war world thought that was great <laughs> but i guess it's that idea again with in the 40s during the war the world was opened up a lot more than it ever had been and what better way to kind of make that still a part of our culture than with ships we can't fly really at that point not pedestrians anyway so i think that's really interesting to think thing to think about as to why they kind of had such a resurgence in the 50s yeah um but i did also find out that in the very late 40s um the queen mary and the queen elizabeth as you mentioned earlier were the only ships really to resurface from the war and they practically had the oceans to themselves they were the last of the liners to survive with the kind of the architectural glamour intact because all other ships were repurposed for war reasons you know making sense so they were stripped away of that architecture which is so sad <laughs> but they were you know yeah, they were like painted grey they were turning it into a troop ship and it all yeah. fired <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah exactly they would get destroyed it was the war <laughs> or yeah. you know they'd be kept as troop ships because people didn't know that the war was going to be completely over you know you forget yeah. it's like Covid now <laughs> Yeah. You don't just have, yeah, it's over. We only are looking at it from a point of, you know, hindsight. We go like, oh, but the war finished then. They didn't know that. So a lot of these ships weren't repurposed. Um, but this documentary, again, it said that the ships were kept as a way to mean, maintain the illusion that Britain still ruled the waves, which is very interesting. Those two specifically. I guess they cost so much money in the first place and represented Britain and its wealth so well. They were like, let's keep these. <laughs> keep them going keep them as they're meant to look <laughs> yeah um, like <laughs> but yeah they talk about bridging the old world and the new world which I mean not only does that probably mean Europe and America but also the old world being pre-war and the new world mm. being post-war yeah that's really interesting yeah it's so true but that sort of explains why in the 40s there's just not that much information I found um a film it's on youtube produced by someone called john rutherford from the 40s which gives you a tour of the queen elizabeth um and it starts in the 30s and you can see that real extreme glamour you can see all these women in like you said their <laughs> low-backed dresses and they're dancing and everything and even the queen's mum as we know her now but she wasn't then um is there you know signing off the ship and greeting passengers and things like that and then suddenly it moves to 1940 and the ship is painted grey <laughs> and it's beginning a secret escape to New York to escape the Nazis. Okay. <laughs> and it sails past the Statue of Liberty and it sails to the Queen Mary, which is already docked to do the same thing. And then it moves later to the 40s and each shot is just the ship filled with hundreds of soldiers. That's it. <laughs> and it's fascinating looking at that 30s footage and then suddenly we're in the 40s and it's just like so depressing <laughs> everything is yeah, grey and it's full of soldiers and just that fashion and glamour is completely relevant because you know it's fight or 
flight basically <laughs> and I think that was quite fascinating but it's quite remarkable footage for the time and you just get a real idea of how the ships were used in the 40s but also the fact that they just didn't function in the same way as before the war in the 40s yeah. and why the footage just doesn't exist in the same way and why the fashion isn't isn't there to talk about it's just not really not a thing that was necessitated was it exactly yeah but it was the 50s that really they clawed back that sense of glamour you know we were sort of way out of the war by that point and I think they were just yeah desperate to bring back bring back that beauty and the (laughs) escapism almost back to a better time back to a pre-war pre-war time um I found a film an advertisement film from Thomas Cook from 1950 and this is where I'll get a lot of my information from the 50s 60s and 70s because like you said before there wasn't a lot of footage or photographs um of people just on the ship candidly I'm sure there's a lot of private footage and photos that people have on their holidays but don't really (laughs) I don't have access to that you know (laughs) I'm sure yeah if you had years to find it you could but you know I had not quite that amount (laughs) but anyway these kind of advertisements which presumably would have been shown before movies maybe I know that's when they showed a lot of adverts um that's where a lot of information was but it's advertising the same ship as the Queen Elizabeth as was in the footage I just mentioned and the difference is crazy like it's suddenly so glamorous again it's crazy how they went from that 40s austerity instantly in 1950 to oh look Thomas Cook holidays and there's shots of women in that sort of 50s glamour that you'd expect and they're all very leisurely they're you know taking cocktails and dinner and there's a shot of a porter buffing this huge collection of passengers fancy shoes <laughs> and it's just you know the kind of typical 50 shoes that you'd imagine the you know women's heels and men's kind of brogues and yeah the difference is just immeasurable there's a shot which I love you, you need to watch this documentary I'll send it to you <laughs> but there's this like extremely glamorous 50s couple sat in bed reading the paper and being given breakfast on a silver platter <laughs> and the woman has her hair fully set she's got like the 50 set she's wearing a padded pink and white floral bed jacket and a chiffon nightdress also in pink and it's completely immaculate yeah she has all her jewelry on she sat up in bed and just looks absolutely beautiful it's (laughs) it's great (laughs) she looks great but you can clearly see it was an advert to be like look if you go on this ship look how beautiful you, you can be look it's no longer the the war anymore look you can get breakfast on a silver platter (laughs) and yeah it shows there's yeah exactly yeah and that's most likely what these ships functioned as during that time and why there were so many adverts that I could find because that's what they were trying to do Um, there's another shot a very similar one of a solo female passenger and a man comes in and talks to her but she's on her own at the beginning (laughs) she's obviously meant to have just woken up but again she has a full face of makeup red lipstick (laughs) and she's in this baby blue sheer kind of bed jacket again but it's cinched at the waist and has these huge balloon sleeves (laughs) it's so cool it's so 50s but she's not just woken up (laughs) she did not sleep in that she has these like diamond earrings everything and she's obviously 
having breakfast in bed again reading the paper but yeah it's just fascinating these kind of so-called candid shots of these ultra glamorous 50s women yeah just completely different completely different (laughs) there's so much footage on this of just rich people everywhere having dinner and cocktails and they're all suitably dressed to impress men and women as well and children actually there's a lot of footage of the children there and they're all looking very immaculate for children but there's one woman um she sat having dinner again this is a pretend candid shot with her friends a group of women but she's got this low-backed navy and white spotted dress with a huge white collar that runs around the back of her shoulders it's very cool I've never really seen anything like that and her friend is wearing these huge jeweled earrings I can't see what they are probably diamonds but you know like cluster diamonds and she's got this dark grey balloon chiffon like shirt on it's all just so elaborate and so over the top but it's also very 50s and that's interesting because everyone looks very of the time unlike what you were talking about where you could see sort of footage of people some people looking very 20s some people looking less so everything is very very 50s and it all looks new clearly from the 40s you know yeah exactly but in the space of what five years 1945 to 1950 this was the difference like there was still an austerity they had harsher rationing than they did yeah exactly you do forget that you completely forget the 50s was hard (laughs) but yeah even for rich people maybe but um yeah clearly there's other beautiful country houses were either being demolished or given over to the national trust yeah they had to sell them all didn't they yeah like there's a reason the national trust started (laughs) (laughs) post-war you could afford to keep these houses going exactly (laughs) yeah but maybe that's what the appeal of the ocean liners was. There's a way to kind of feel like you're still in that pre-war world. Yeah. You've lost your big fancy house, maybe. You've given it over to the National Trust. You can just step on the Queen Elizabeth and feel like you're back to whatever you had before. But even exactly. more modern, because it's still really 50s. Yeah. yeah you, you'll have to, of, you'll have to watch this. Over, I'm sorry, darling. Oh, no, that's right. Carry on. Okay, it makes me think that I had read during lockdown. Mm-hmm. Um, Lady in Waiting by Anne Gwen Connor, Captain Parker's Lady in Waiting. Mm-hmm. An amazing read. Um, Choke it on so many levels. One of the best memoirs I've ever read. But anyway, she talked about how in the early 50s, in order to make money for their family, they were doing pottery. Mm. And she would travel to America on the Queen Mary to mm. um, sell these pieces that her family couldn't afford to have her travel in first class. So she traveled in third class or okay. second class. Um, at the lower classes she traveled but then she had a relative or a friend that was traveling on the ship in first class oh. and she remarked that she meant her going up to the first class bases and it looked like her childhood because of course her childhood was in the 1930s yeah sure um, because she was wearing her 1950s clothing um, utility clothing properly and she's in these opulent 1930s bases and she just comments on like juxtaposition between you know
Yeah, that's so interesting. Being waited on by people and they yeah. don't have to pass any longer or wearing their best jewelry every night and their best clothing and they yeah. that they used to occupy every day. You probably haven't had that for what, 10 years? Exactly. And if you had, it's been in a, you know, completely different state. It's not, we never got back to that pre-war way of doing things. Not that I think that was yeah. the best way to do things, but, <laughs> you know, <laughs> it never, it never lived on. Um, no, no that's really interesting. That, that era, that was probably the hardest thing to get over. Mm. Which, I mean, that makes sense. I think that if we have a lifestyle that we're accustomed to, then to suddenly not have it, and now that we're not going to have to get yeah, yeah. difficult to reconcile with. Yeah, you, you can forgive these people that it was a difficult time. It was a difficult time for everyone. Everyone lost their, you know, way of life. But if you were born in this, like, rich, even nouveau riche kind of culture where you had, you know, waited on hand and foot, it would be so weird to suddenly not to. It's like, um, yeah. yeah, it's like Downton Abbey. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> and that's not even during the war, you know? Yeah. They have to sell off parts of the estate can't even imagine what it was like post-war for those sorts of people completely different yeah. way of life and again that's where these ocean liners probably fit in it was a way for them to get that back yeah to get back that part of society that they used to be a part of yeah and they could dress for dinner <laughs> finally <laughs> <laughs> there's actually from the same video there's a shot of um women having dinner the food looks so disgusting but i'll forgive it because it's 1950s footage <laughs> they're horrible they're so horrible I'd love to remake some of them that would be quite funny we should have a 50s dinner party and just um, make all this horrible aspic jelly etc gross <laughs> but, <laughs> but watching the footage you can clearly see that going for dinner and there's like these lavish silver platters just full of all this horrible looking food and like canapes and olives and fish and all of this fancy stuff clearly the you know the idea of dressing for dinner they tried to re reimagine it um and that's really interesting yeah i think that there's footage of lots of different women and they all look suitably glamorous 50s there's a lot of 50s fashion that's quite similar in a way do you know what i mean it's all the same sort of silhouettes the same hair the same jewelry but yeah. they're clearly re reimagining it in a 50s fashion yeah. um there's even a shot of a woman gambling <laughs> on deck which is quite interesting you don't really see images of that pre-war so i guess that was one thing that was was different but she's in this kind of wedding dress type dress it's this huge white net sleeveless dress that just yeah looks like a wedding dress but she has these huge pearls around her neck and cluster diamante earrings <laughs> and she's like so neat and elegant and glamorous and then she's just gambling <laughs> I love it I, love love it. It. I want that for me yeah because it might have all been costume jewellery the footage of, is obviously not good enough for you to be able to tell that but that's quite interesting to think about actually it's all for show <laughs> yeah. might not have been worth as the stuff that you were mentioning earlier was but it looked the same and it looked just as glamorous so it was a way to kind of feel like you were doing it again yeah, yeah that's that's yeah. interesting but yeah I bet, book, um, it was talking about life right after the first world war mm -hmm. 
there's this whole notion of how they go into one of the first big um, occasions where they can wear their grand jewelry mm. and everything after the First World War. And she says, you can look around the room and see who had had replicas of their jewels made with paste in order to go off the illusion of having the money still. Sure. But they clearly had to sell it, you know? Mm-mm. So, it's interesting. I, I wonder if they did this YouTube video of this because their advertisement that they did have the real jewel and like the designer clothing mm. or there maybe the more costume jewel um, you know dress from Edwards or something it's very yeah. interesting to think about that well, you would have had to have been a very discerning eye as well to notice because the footage is from the 50s it's recolored as well it's quite fuzzy um, but that's interesting to think about actually it was all for show there's this idea of things looking the way they used to be but really they weren't <laughs> Probably. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's just it's the idea of the lifestyle rather than the lifestyle itself, I suppose. Yeah, because if you were young as well, you might have been born in the thirties. So in your twenties and the fifties you wouldn't have ever experienced that, you know? Yeah. So it's yeah. element of nostalgia for it probably and for the parents. Yeah, but definitely. from all of this it's also that idea of like having fun again which is really interesting there's footage of men and women like in beachwear playing badminton on the deck of the ship there's a blonde woman um, wearing like a baby pink swimsuit which is really 50s she looks a lot like Marilyn actually like it's clearly a time when that influence is there but there's footage of you know them swimming and of, on the gym just shopping on deck even for like scarves and things like that it's really interesting I really want to jump into that footage and be <laughs> the, yeah. doing it but they just it's yeah that idea of like have fun again <laughs> look at all these sports and games go to the gym on the ship go swimming on the yeah. ship yeah you can relax for the first time well, yeah I think in the 1950s when started advertising ocean travel getting there is half the fun mm. yes 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 you're yeah. so right. I completely forgot about that. That's just sums it up completely, really, isn't it? <laughs> it's like yeah. I mean, I think nowadays everybody jokes that airport time is different because you get to the airport at 9 a.m. and have a glass of champagne at the lounge. Yeah. Because you're on holiday, so you can't have fun. Mm. Um, mm. For ocean travel. Yeah, that's very different. Like, who enjoys being on a plane? You're not having fun yeah. like you are by the looks of it on a ship. You're not swimming and on the gym and <laughs> things like that. You're just, it's a means to an end, which these chips functioned differently to that. But yeah, I thought that was really interesting. There was also a photogra photograph of Mylena Dietrich in 1950, boarding the Queen Elizabeth again, um, which oh, is yeah, from the Bettman archive. Have you seen that one? It's very, it must be a famous image, but she's wearing like a glamorous 50s ensemble that's kind of, reminiscent of those pre-war styles she sort of looks a little bit 30s a little bit 50s it's kind of like an interesting combo it's black and white so obviously the colors elude me i don't know what they were but they're dark she's wearing like a mid-colored kind of matching woolen skirt and jacket set this kind of dark fur cape wrist gloves and a pillbox hat with the face netting there's just no austerity to it and it's clearly that sense of glamour is revived and the means to do so is by being on this ship <laughs> I think yeah. that's really interesting <laughs> she's clearly dressing to be seen there's photographers on board obviously and she's like posing for the camera being on the ship I don't know if she ever actually travelled on the ship or if it was just for this <laughs> photograph <laughs> but, <laughs> fine <laughs> yeah 
But the Queen Elizabeth is where most of the stuff was that I found, and the Queen Mary. But it's like I said before, those were the two that survived after the war. It was sort of in the late 50s and the 60s where a lot of new ships were built. Um, but those were the two sort of surviving, surviving liners. Although I know we said we weren't going to talk about third class, but I did find some footage from um, third class passengers, I think in the 50s. It wasn't clear, but it looked quite 50s, maybe late 50s, board the Queen Mary. And they're all in completely average day clothes of the time. There are some men in like jeans and no shoes. <laughs> oh, wow. And the contrast between that and first class here is just crazy, isn't it? Like a lot of these people might have just been using the ship to travel. They might not be using it to claw back this sense of fun <laughs> that the right, first class right. passengers were. So that's interesting to think about the way they functioned. There's footage of these um, sort of young rockabilly looking boys in the late 50s and they're yeah in their room with just jeans no shirts no shoes um playing guitars in like their shared cabin <laughs> and there's just like a real relaxed nature to it but they're also clearly in the early 20s and it's just very different to the glamour that's advertised by thomas cook from the other video i mentioned yeah it's like actually maybe this is what was really happening <laughs> it's hard to know isn't it really because this footage is, you know, 80 years old at this point. Um, well, not quite, but nearly. Yeah. Well, yeah, there's also charge now because are they going to be selling, say, like third class as a way just to travel very cheaply to get somewhere to make their money? Yeah. Or are they going to show the elegant first class again? It's just, it all just goes back to mm. um, just selling the ship and also selling the nation. Yeah. These images you're trying to present. Yeah, exactly. I wonder how these young people afforded it. Must have been quite cheap to be in third class. If you had like shared cabins and stuff. It's like the easy jet to travel. <laughs> yeah. Easy jet, basically. <laughs> Looks better than easy jet though. <laughs> but yeah, clearly the kind of that forties austerity blossomed into the fifties post war boom and then just flourished in the sixties, as with everything, but the ships definitely you can see that happening with the ships and with the fashions that people are wearing on the ships. I think that's quite interesting. They're like a little um, mini way of kind of seeing the general context of the world or the Western world, at least at that point. Um, yeah, I think that's interesting. I found a quote that said, in the 50s, Manhattan became a parking lot for some of the most prestigious liners in the world, which is crazy. <laughs> but everyone was just, yeah, it's just, it's like Venice. Have you been to Venice? No, oh, you were gonna go. <laughs> we're going to Venice in March. Yeah. We're supposed to go to Venice. Alas. <laughs> and then we're going to go to Rome. Uh, I can't even think about this year and all the travel we were to do. I know. We'll just think forward, think forward. But anyway, yeah. in Venice, there's just constant cruise ships. They're always parking. And they're just always flooding of people coming on and off the cruise ships. That's kind of the image I get. Which yeah, is quite interesting. Yeah, I guess that's the image that I think of as well, actually. Mm. Like, just a harbour full of massive you know basically you know small town yeah yeah and then obviously the Queen Mary and the Queen Elizabeth like you said they looked a lot like they did in the 30s and in the 20s they were kind of kept the same and so the fashions were clearly from the footage made to be very modern and in keeping so it's this idea of the post-war glamour and pre-war glamour it's the two things working in conjunction with each other but in the 60s 
they started to design more ships and they just became more and more extreme all around the world. It wasn't just in um, England and America. And yeah, they were just sort of slowly changing and blossoming into this more modern way of doing things, apparently particularly in Italy and France. So I suppose these were the epicenters of fashion at this time period too, which maybe is an interesting thing to note. But yeah, I found a liner named the SS France, which apparently was the longest in the world at the time. <clears throat> and construction started in 1957. So it was that kind of late 50s, early 60s boom, and it started to take passengers in the 60s. But apparently the French ships became the most fashionable and you were there to be seen on one of these ships in the 60s. I don't know if you've seen photos from the SS France, but it's very cool. Yeah, yeah, it's very sleek well. and modern and it's very 60s, sharp and metallic. It's very different from the photos you see of the Queen Elizabeth, for example, which has this kind of different sense of opulence. But I found some photos from the SS France in the 60s and the sort of photos of young men um, in a rockabilly band on board and they've got their DA hairstyles and teddy boy suits. <laughs> and it says the band was called the Transatlantics, which is so good. <laughs> and so I suppose they were the epicenter of that fashion following suit. You know, it's that changing idea of glam in the 60s. The footage we saw in the 50s was all very glitzy and big and puffy and chiffon and baby pink and baby blue and things like that. Um, and the photos from the SS France in the 60s is similar to the ship design. It's all very sharp and very sleek. There are photos of women dining on the SS France looking kind of like Bond girls. <laughs> They're in like caftans. And yeah, it's very, very Bond. Very Bond. Yeah, they're in caftans and 60s like line dresses with shape, straight bobs and pixie cuts. It's very glamorous, but it's definitely 60s glamour. And it's very, yeah. very different to the footage from the Thomas Cook advertisement. I think that's really interesting. But I guess what people were wearing on these ships and the way to be seen was growing with the design of the ships. It was like the two things happened in conjunction with one another. I guess it's that idea of modernity as well. People were just desperate to be modern again. Because <laughs> in the 50s, you ha maybe had that pre-war nostalgia. And you wanted to claw back the glamour, but then come the 60s, it was like, okay, <laughs> we're gonna start our own thing. <laughs> Yeah. We're going to be glamorous, but it's going to be different type of glamour. And it's interesting looking at the photos of the ships because they completely sum that up, you know. And But again, they're advertisements, so it's like you were saying. How true to the fact they actually were, they might have just been posed, it's hard to know. But the ship still looked great, so... <laughs> yeah, it is. It's all about presenting an image and presenting an idea. Mm. Yeah, I, I, I love 60s stuff like that, the Bond kind of image. It's so cool. <laughs> I'd love to go back to a resort. With you, like 1960s. Mm. Or 1940s, I see you as just being like a land girl or mm. having like really chic 60s fashion. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's interesting to look at the two things next to each other, the difference within a 10 year period. You clearly there was a lot more money in the 60s <laughs> and everything was new it was you know growing and the ships did too um but i also read that apparently in the 60s chic travel and 
sort of being fancy and rich while you were traveling moved to the skies and liners did take a hit with that flying obviously became a whole new area of glamour and ships became maybe a bit dowdy it was something that older people used the art deco styles of the old ships were probably seen as old-fashioned it's like us going on something that looks really 80s (laughs) you know it just kind of looks old-fashioned it was what your parents and your grandparents did yeah they were glamorous but glamorous but they weren't youthful in the same way so i suppose that's where the fashion of the aeroplane came in and it's quite interesting to note that the ships were clearly trying to move on with that but there were still a lot of them in use that were yeah old-fashioned well, i think you have to you have to think about what you want to find glamour at because yeah i think that this ocean liners probably were very glamorous but yeah an old-fashioned glamour mm, um, mm. whereas I think if you look at like airline travel you think of like you know Pan Am about like the jet set age mm-hmm. like the very chic glamorous like Elizabeth Taylor Richard Burton that kind of thing mm-hmm. yeah it is it's glamorous that you that you like, think of like Marlene Dietrich as like the advertisement for an airship liner mm. and then you think of like Elizabeth Taylor as the advertisement for yeah. an airline it's they're both glamorous but in a different way so I guess they just functioned yeah. in different ways because so when I glamour, still yeah exactly and that's quite interesting to note so I suppose the ships just functioned in their own way and the planes functioned in their own way but mm-hmm. clearly ocean liners did that was kind of when they started to not decline but change course from kind of what you were talking about in the 20s and 30s once you'd yeah. fly <laughs> um, that documentary I mentioned earlier the last day of the liners um, it explains that liner travel became a means to actually travel as more and more ships were built than a means to just show off your clothes and to kind of be glamorous and be seen. You'd get on the ship to go somewhere, <laughs> which is quite interesting, rather than to be on the ship. Like on the train, you get to your destination. Yeah, and if you think about in the Victorian era, for example, or even in the 20s, even a train, like you'd be on the train. It wasn't matter where you didn't matter where you were going was the fact that you were on this train and it was, you know, like uh, Orient Express, for example. Whereas uh, yeah. they don't function they don't function that way now. <laughs> you get on yeah, the train to go somewhere <laughs> and your destination exactly. is where you want to look glamorous and you want to be seen. So I suppose exactly. the ships function yeah, that way you too. You dress for the dining car on a train. You dress for, um, well, you pack your dresses for mm. um, the hotel to open up. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So perhaps they were in the same way. Obviously that was not, not to be said for all ships, I don't think, but I can see how that happened especially with um, planes becoming a way to also do that. You know, like we said earlier, in the 60s even, you may be dressed to go on the plane, and it was a lot more glamorous, but it was different to the liners. Yeah. It was a means to travel. She had a plane, like Elizabeth Taylor, I think of her wearing, like, you know, a Chanel day suit um, with a fur coat, and, like, her one of her fabulous pieces of jewellery, where if you're on the ocean liner, you're dressing for, like, the evening occasion. It's very evening, yeah. Exactly. So I suppose a ball is not what you'd wear to a very smart cocktail party. Exactly. Like it is glamorous, but it's diff- it is different. You can't deny that it's different. <laughs> so I suppose yeah, that was why in the late sixties the kind of ships went from this early sixties space age glamour, and then suddenly once once you could fly, they had to keep up with that. Most likely. I mean, yeah, 
it's difficult to know when you're not there, but still makes a lot of sense, I think. Um, I found footage from a crossing the equator ceremony from the Queen of Edinburgh ship. The Queen of Edinburgh wasn't quite as glamorous, but it was still quite a well-known liner. It's from 1967, but it's basically a lot of sort of older men and women dressed up in fancy dress and they're dressed as kings and queens and sea creatures and it was this kind of event to yeah commemorate cross- crossing the equator and going as far as that compared to other ships have before which i think was quite interesting like it's still an event but it's not that glitzy glamour going for dinner that you imagine from the early yeah. liners they clearly you fully have gone into like you're on holiday mode yeah cruise mode know. cruise mode is yeah. kicking in <laughs> yeah and yeah, these people are having fun and they have, they're at an event and they're dressing for the event, but they're dressing for something completely different. I guess it's an event that's focused on its ability to travel a distance rather than just be on the ship, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. totally. Yeah. It's as you said, you're using the ship to just get somewhere. Exactly. So there's just not a whole lot in terms of fashion to talk about in that kind of era because you got to talk about planes if you want to talk about fashion. <laughs> Obviously, there is exactly. footage existing, like from the Bond girl photos and things like that, but they're a lot more limited. So I did struggle with this kind of late 60s, 70s era. Um, it's like, I think the one thing I could think of would be the QE2. Yes, yes. I found um, a bit from the QE2. Which, that was kind of... Correct me if I'm wrong, but I think she's one of like, the last major ocean liners to be built in Britain. Yeah, basically. Um, yeah. yeah, and if you look at all of her interiors from the late 60s from 1969, mm-hmm. it's very space age, and I think it's just really interesting to see a very space age mm. <laughs> Yeah, it's really so cool. To look of the era, you know? Yeah, it, they're really cool though. They're, they're really specific and quite niche. <laughs> like now, I would pay. I would pay to go on that. But I oh, read absolutely. somewhere that in yeah, the, the 70s, the 80s, they may look like the 80s, which. I wouldn't have you go on. Yeah, yeah. Definitely go on the space age. Exactly. But yeah, I read that they um, the function completely changed and they became floating hotels again because they had to keep up with the need that people wanted to travel. So they just became a lot less glamorous because they were for holiday makers and families rather than the wealthy. And so the fashion expectations changed for that reason. And there's there's not as much glamour to that space age thing that we were talking about you know it's not glitzy and shiny and jewels and that kind of opulence so i suppose that's why they became that i don't know it's kind of difficult to know chicken and egg situation you know (laughs) but it does make sense yeah exactly that's that's where your brain is going to go you and when you think of a liner in the 60s and 70s you think oh cruise ship you think of like like holiday makers you don't think of the glamorous liners of the pre-war um i did though find footage from the ss france from 1970 which was a caribbean cruise and a lot of these women are very very glamorous so clearly that element of glamour for this big ships it did still exist they were maybe just less of them (laughs) they all look a little bit like um princess anne you know that kind of 70s rich lady look it's very specific but there's one woman wears a mustard box dress and a long this long necklace as she leaves the ship with her friend 
because they're obviously going for their day trip. Like I said, they're functioning. The fashion that they're wearing is to go to the Caribbean, not to wear on the ship, but they're still Mm -hmm. very glamorous. Her friend is wearing like a... It's a holiday fashion, not necessarily... Yeah, exactly. uh, Yeah, which is interesting. But she's got like a high-necked green and blue and white striped box dress and this sort of headscarf, you know, the ones where they wore where it covered round their neck. She looked great. Yeah. It's very, very 70s. It's not necessarily to my taste, but you can see that it's the glamour of the time. So yeah. there is yeah. an element she of... probably hoped to her, you know, very fashionable. Yeah, they were very fat. They look very fashionable of the, yeah, of the time. But um, clearly some glamour still did exist on these ships, but yeah, more so for the purpose of going on holiday and using the ship as a means to travel, almost like a hotel. <laughs> So you stay on the ship for a little while, but your destination is your destination rather than the ship. Does that make sense? Exactly. <laughs> it, does, it makes perfect sense. It's, I'm just thinking now about like whenever I do travel, yeah. I always pack for my destination. I, mm-hmm. I never pack for the traveling. And, no. Um, yeah. I, mean, I usually do wear some sort of jewelry because it is me. Well, you <laughs> want to feel nice, you, you know. Same, you, as you do the same, but, um, yeah, you, you don't. You don't want to feel gross. I don't anyway. I, yeah. I don't feel like myself, and I feel bad if I, even when I'm traveling I still want to look okay because <laughs> you're still oh, going to end okay. up in the country <laughs> at some point but yeah and I think it's, also it's interesting because I am always conscious when I'm sitting on the airplane and I'm in like business class or something mm-hmm. I know that I'm wearing like brooch or something because mm-hmm. I'm going to post that on my Instagram story yeah you didn't have Instagram in the 20s but I wish they had because I would love to see what these people are wearing. (laughs) But what's interesting on this video, it didn't really have a name, it was just SS France Caribbean or something. Um, But there is footage of a woman dressing for dinner. So clearly there was still some events happening on the ship. I suppose it took a really long time to get to the UK, to the Caribbean. So you'd still have that time on the ship and it would function as a hotel. But she's... um, younger woman and she's got this olive green floor length like chiffon dress and it's got a diamond trim around the neck and she's got a huge black 70s bouffant (laughs) and these white elbow length gloves and big grey circle earrings they might be like Bakelite or something but oh my god it's such a look (laughs) it's so 70s yeah you'll have to you'll have to look it up you'll love it but it's interesting and it, it she's just sort of in her room and she like giggles at the camera so it kind of just looks like someone was is like real footage that someone was filming just in their cabin so that's interesting it wasn't used it wasn't an advert maybe in the same way but she's yeah she's dressing for dinner and she looks she's got the sort of glamour that you'd associate with the word glamour you know she's very evening and i thought that was quite interesting so clearly there was um you know a minority of these ships that were still functioning in that way um but yeah you'll have to look up that footage because she looks great <laughs> anything olive green <laughs> if you can't find it i'll find it for you um but yeah like you said the, the qe2 queen elizabeth 2 is a really good source for information in the 70s it was basically a rebuilding of the queen elizabeth but in a 70s way it was made to be a floating hotel it was made for holiday makers which is really interesting it's a really cool ship <laughs> it's really cool yeah. it's again very jet age and very space age looking but yeah it functioned as 
a hotel and it was huge but the fashions adapted to that you know you wouldn't wear your jewelry and your fur capes to play golf or to swim and from the footage and the photos i've seen sportswear was very popular on the ship you can see people on the adverts um in like tennis skirts and golf shorts you know that kind of real 70s sportswear image yeah and they've all got their hair and you know those um headscarf things it's not it's not like a um 40s headscarf is a different type but yeah clearly they were dressing to do things rather than just to look good (laughs) i mean they looked good but in a different sort of way but there's also a lot of people in hawaiian shirts and floral kaftans and those kind of long 70s summer dresses so yeah think about it's probably these people on the qe student 70s they're probably traveling with their friends exactly yeah they're trying to press a little bit less whereas Mm. in the 1910s they're traveling with people that they know they're, they probably have lots of space on the ship but it's yeah. like a very high society showing yourself off yeah it's like you and I haven't actually made plans to do this holiday together it's just mm. like I need to dress because what if I need somebody that I know they need well, to be like, exactly and you'd often travel with your family as well mm-hmm. you know and young women would be traveled on the ship to maybe find a respectable husband yeah it would it would function in a way to show other rich families how rich you were <laughs> and to show off your young daughter and things like that which is a little bit creepy but it's just how things were but the function is completely different to yep. this you know you're there with maybe a partner or with a group of friends or with your kids even there was footage of young kids and you're there to have fun so you are probably very rich because it was not a cheap ship to be on so you've got 70s richness about you but it's completely different I think that's quite interesting um, it is. yeah but this era and this ship kind of gave birth to that image of the cruise ship that we have which is why like old people in Hawaiian shirts playing balls with like drinking punch <laughs> you know like that 80s 90s cruise ship yeah. image that we have <laughs> so you yeah, can kind yeah, of yeah, see yeah. you can see with the QE2 it seeping in with the kind of you know the families playing sports and kaftans and things like that but it's that kind of marriage between the glamour and the cruise ship I think that's quite interesting but yeah it's interesting to see how the fashion clearly adapts to the different functions and just the different social way of doing things as well you know like in the 20s or in the 10s you would not have been seen in a tennis skirt as a woman on board or in a caftan you know just would not it's not how things were done even on a ship in the middle of the ocean it was still not okay (laughs) Yeah, there were still like rules of society yeah. that had to be observed. It was his own microcosm of rules. <laughs> yeah. Whereas in the seventies, you're there to have fun, you're on holiday, you're travelling with friends, exactly. you're playing sports on deck. So they're you know, you look glamorous but it's different. You might go for dinner every now and then, but it's not gonna be as much of a routine as perhaps exactly. it was before. Um Well it makes me think of like whenever I go on holiday, like if my partner are going to like the Caribbean for a week, I'll go by um you're not wearing brogues and smart trousers and a jacket because it's you know 45 degrees or whatever exactly, <laughs> what exactly. I spend more money I'll spend the most money on what I'll be wearing to like launch by the pool like mm. my, my sports wear yeah. exactly as you pointed out it's the same kind of vibe yeah that's quite interesting that's what I've got really <laughs> There was, you know, 
limited limited information for those later periods because like I said I think a lot of it is um personal footage that people have you know family photos and family videos and things like that so I'm sure the information is out there but it was um difficult to me to find on the internet <laughs> but yeah, I think it's, it's almost as if it needs to be the light the twilight of ocean liners is really in the, the 50s yeah it's yeah the, some of the footage I found was it looked great it looked fun whether that was weird, real or not like I don't know how much of an advert it was it might have just been making people think that's how things were of course but yeah everyone looked so good and they were all gambling and having fun and shopping and yeah but like yeah. it was this nice it looked like it was this nice marriage to, between the kind of later period where it was all about fun it was all about having a holiday and the kind of routine glamour of the pre-war I think the 50s would have been the time to be on a ship <laughs> Yeah. You had the nice combo between the two. You could look beautiful, Absolutely. but you could also, you know, gamble if you wanted. <laughs> yeah, I think that I probably would have wanted to be on, on like the Normandy or something. Mm. Um, to yeah. Just the opulent of the 1930s Art Deco if you could afford it. Yeah. Um, I mean, honestly, any of these would have been fabulous if you could afford it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, if you've got money, everything's going to be pretty nice. Like, exactly. kind of just the way exactly. of the world. But, I wish I could find more information about the third class, but. It's just not there, is it? Like, these people were often... They were travelling for work, probably. Like, people on the Titanic were going from Ireland to make a new life in New York. They didn't yeah. have any photographs. They didn't need to. It wasn't any pleasure at all. It was just getting there. It was just getting there, yeah. It's really interesting how they function so differently. It's very telling about the social context of each era as well. Like, if you look at this ship as a kind of means to find out how people were treated and how what people wanted to do and what they were allowed to do I think that's quite an interesting interesting way to look at it so I hope there's not anything that I've missed if you want to look at any of these um, videos they were all pretty much on YouTube and online if you wanted to find them um, you just search the name of the ship and they come up but that was where I got most of my information if you want to see any of the outfits that I spoke about particularly the olive green dress <laughs> Which I want. It's there. So good, so good. <laughs> but yeah, the same with like all the national I pointed out, all of the, everything I took was either from insurance claims yeah. or from official photographs, official advertisements, which if you want to see them, we'll post them, but also um, just you can just Google RNS Olympic nineteen twenties women and yeah. you'll see these, you know, fashion photographs, advertisements. Mm -hmm. Well, and the um, exhibition that was at the VNA, they have a whole website full of some of the top things that were in the exhibition. What was it called? Um, like, Ocean Liners. Just, style. That was it. Yeah, so just VNA Ocean Liners exhibition. And there's some really cool stuff on there. I think you can find footage on YouTube of it as well. And they recreated a lot of the fashions, didn't they? They found... They did. They, they found insurance they stuff. And, or they did recreation. Yeah. It was amazing because when I went to it... Um, I've been in love with ocean liners for my whole life mm -hmm. and it was amazing to have been reading these books about these ships in the 1990s when I was a kid mm -hmm. in the Midwest of America and it's like be able to go to this exhibition and see these like furniture it's and like, <gasps> you know these interiors and these wall panels and I'm like oh my god like, this is my dream I, w oh, I wish I'd been I'm so annoyed with myself that I didn't manage to go <laughs> I live so close to it as well um, I have the book, so I'll let you look at it. <laughs> yes, that'd be great. It's the only exhibition I've ever gone to in my life that I've paid to go to. Really? Wow. Yeah. Well, there you go. 
Oh, I just have to look on YouTube and pretend that I was there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but anyway, was there any more points that you wanted to make or anything that you found that you weren't able to talk about? Or do you think we've pretty much summed it up? I have summed up what I wanted to say. And Me too. I had a good conversation about it. Yeah. I mean, like I said, I think there's a lot more information out there if you've got the time to look it up obviously this is a less than two hour podcast so there's only so much that we can sum up in that short space of time but I think we've done quite well just to kind of chronologically go along how each 10 year period kind of functioned and what the liners did in terms of fashion and how they kind of represented people and how the fashions functioned as well in terms of what liner you were on it's a really interesting little area to look into if you're interested in fashion history um, absolutely and yeah. all this liner history in general it's, it's an amazing snapshot of history that yes. we never had again no and yeah man if you, even if you don't like fashion history if you like architectural history or even uh, military history, history because yeah they're just so cool to look at some of them are just amazing and uh, I just feel like stuff doesn't look that nice anymore <laughs> exactly. yeah someone needs to build a ultra glamorous Queen Elizabeth equivalent <laughs> I guess you can go on the Queen Mary one day yeah I, I do want to go on the Queen Mary too I yeah. did like traveling across to New York in it and, uh, yeah it does look glamorous that you have like dress up night I think of like the five nights three of them are yeah. horrible um, so like, I mean that's probably the closest we'd ever get to be yeah I think so but, but, yeah we can dream we can dream that we can and just watch film yeah <laughs> like the Titanic yeah. okay well I think that's a good place to round off thank you very much for coming on I hope you've had a good time thank you for having me and, and I hope our right. listeners and uh, enjoy this as well. Yeah, it's nice to kind of talk about something you like talking about, right? <laughs> yeah, have a little minute to do it. Okay, well, thanks for listening, everyone. I hope you enjoyed this slightly longer episode than usual. Follow my Instagram if you like what you see to keep going with more updates and stay fab, everyone. Bye. <laughs>